Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, 2010. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking out about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. They then asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking, that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed, for your perseverance will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Hello, welcome to your Sunday Reader. I'm Father Brian, and I'm not here with Dawn today. Dawn and I, again, our schedules don't seem to want to work together, so I'm doing a solo podcast again, although somebody yesterday told me that the solo podcasts work okay, that I should still do them, so I will continue to do those, um, and hopefully we will have Dawn back, because I do think Dawn adds a dimension to this podcast. But Without Don, you're stuck with me. And today we're talking about this gospel reading, which is very apocalyptic and eschatological in its nature. That is to say, it deals with the end times. And what we have happening here, there's a lot of different fascinating elements in this. One of the things as we read this, some of us might be tempted to say, wow, this sounds a lot like our own time. You know, they ask Jesus for what are some of the signs that you can give us of the end times, what's going to happen, how will we know it's going to happen? And Jesus answers the question. He says, there will be many people who come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has come. Well, friends, certainly we haven't had any lack of people claiming to be prophets in our world. Uh, One could think to many of the cults such as, you know, David Koresh or somebody like that, where somebody is claimed to be a Messiah, and often to devastating results. Probably the reason why Jesus suggests we don't follow them, that we stick to what we know, we stick to the prophets we do know, which is our church, basically the body of Christ, Christ being the true prophet, and his church as his body on earth being the prophetic witness of Christ in our time. He also talks about a bunch of other things. He talks about nations rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
Friends, we just came off of one of the bloodiest centuries, probably the most bloody century in the history of the world. We see no end to wars. We see nations continuing to rise against nation and to be continually threatened by nations. And all of this may make us say, gee, this sounds a lot like what's going on in the gospel here. And then finally, we hear that there will be powerful earthquakes famines and plagues from place to place. Well, especially recently, it seems that we're getting lots of these, especially the earthquake things. I mean, we look at Chile, we look at Haiti. All over the world, it seems there's all kinds of natural disasters striking. Famine, there's famine throughout our world. We can look to many third world countries, but also in our own country, we have several people who are malnourished and undernourished. Um, that this just seems to be, when we hear of these things, we can say, I can relate to this. This seems to be our own times. Now, I'm not going to say it is or isn't coming towards the end of the world. I mean, I think every day we're getting closer to it, uh, hopefully. But um, aside from that, we don't know if it's going to be next year or a million years from now or tomorrow. The point of all this isn't to make us afraid. That's, I think, Jesus's point, is that we shouldn't be afraid. And part of it is, We shouldn't really even be worried about it. See, whether the end of the world comes tomorrow in 2012 at the new millennium or any other date you want to choose, the point is we shouldn't be afraid of it. We should constantly be living our lives in such a way that we're seeking unity with God. So whether the world does end tomorrow or in 30 years from now or in a million years from now, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we're focusing on how can I be in union with God? See, that's the point of the gospel. The eschaton, we always want to know as human beings when it's going to happen. You know, when is the apocalypse going to happen so that we can be prepared, right? It's kind of like we say we want to do our own thing, but we know if the time is going to come, suddenly we'll run into the confessional and confess and convert our lives at the last minute so that we can be saved. I think that attitude misses the whole point of Catholicism, Christianity, or any religion, really. The point is that we're seeking unity with God, we should constantly be seeking that unity with God in our lives, whether or not the end of the world is impending immediately or impending a billion years from now. We should constantly be striving to live our lives in such a way that we're seeking to live in accord with God in what we know to be true. We shouldn't be seeking false truths. You know, we know Jesus left us a church, for example, as his body here on earth. So we need to be in union with that church. It's important for us to say, what does the church tell us about many of the issues going on in our world today, and how are we responding to them? See, the church, as the body of Christ, can't be a false prophet. Others can. You know, the secular news media can. Politicians can. Individual people can. So we shouldn't be paying too much attention to them. Certainly, if they challenge us intellectually, we should engage that. But we should be paying attention to our church and how it's calling us to enter into that unity with Christ. You know, as we hear these readings, one of the things that would have been real prevalent for the Jewish people, especially at the time that Luke was writing, would have been the issue of the destruction of the temple. And when the temple was destroyed, that was a real devastation for the Jewish people. The only thing that would be similar to it for us as Catholics would be the destruction of the entire priesthood, let's say, so that there were no priests and no bishops. Because if that happened, 
it would mean there'd be no one to consecrate Eucharist. So we wouldn't have Eucharist, which is the source and summit of our faith. That's what happened to the Jewish people. The temple was essentially their source and summit. It was necessary for their faith. And so when it was destroyed, all seemed to be lost. But see, here's the thing. The destruction of the temple, as Christians, we can look at that and say, was necessary to bring about the church. You see, the old had to pass away so that the new could be brought into existence. And this is nothing that should surprise us because it happens to Jesus himself. You see, when Jesus is walking around in his earthly ministry, he's constantly foretelling that this is going to come to an end. I'm going to die. And he does indeed die. He dies a real death. He doesn't pretend to die. He doesn't appear to be dead. He is dead. On the cross, God has died. And yet, what we learn from that is that it's necessary to bring about a fuller experience of God, to bring about the resurrection in the glorified body of Christ. When Christ rises from the dead, he's not a ghost. You know, he is a resurrected body. And this new body has many different qualities that our current bodies don't have. You know, he can walk through walls. He can appear and disappear. He seems to be moving at different paces. And yet, at the same time, we know he does have a physical body. You know, Thomas can put his hands in the wounds of Christ's resurrected body. In his resurrected body, Christ eats. So we know that he's got a body that's real, and yet somehow it's a glorified body that we can't really fully understand or comprehend. That's the same thing that happens in death with us, you know, hopefully as we die with Christ, knowing that something greater is going to be brought into existence. You need to have the death in order to have the resurrection. The temple has to be destroyed if the church is going to come in to be the fullness of the body of Christ here on earth. So when we hear these things about the end times, when we see a lot of these wars, this famine, these false prophets, it can be easy for us to get discouraged. And I certainly understand that. But what we learn is that it's necessary. These things are necessary in order for something greater to be brought into existence. We also hear St. Paul talk about this, and he says, what will be like, we don't know. And that, I think, we can all relate to. We don't fully know God's plan. We don't know what it's going to be like. We have glimpses of it, certainly, but we can't say in detail we know what heaven's going to be like. We know what it's going to be like to be in perfect unity with God where we're no longer in sin, where all of our sins have been wiped away. We we don't know. We can't comprehend that. But what we do is we trust in this person. We trust in Jesus Christ. We trust that what he tells us is true. So when he tells us that we have to undergo these persecutions, but that in doing so, not a hair on our head will be destroyed, we have faith. We respond with faith and say, I believe that to be true. And that is the good news. The good news is that there is going to be something better and more perfect brought into existence, and we will be part of that. It's not going to be done without us even if we die, we'll be brought to new life. That's the good news of the gospel. I think that's the good news of these eschatological readings that we hear. Hopefully, I will be able to get my schedule to coordinate with Dawn's, and Dawn will be able to give us more input and be on the podcast in the upcoming weeks. But in the meantime, I thank you for joining us, and join us next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. 
God bless.